Good morning. Welcome to Trainwreck Marriage. I'm Dave Touchton. And I'm Susan Touchton. I'm going to let you go today, babe. Um, something that's just kind of been um, on my heart this morning is um, our wedding vows. And David's uncle is um, going through some difficulties with his wife, who um, they don't really know what's going on with her. She's uh, very forgetful. She is... Um, you know, spending 30 minutes to an hour just standing in the closet trying to figure out what to wear, kind of like all her um, signals aren't firing like they're supposed to. And so it just got me thinking about, you know, how when we say our wedding vows, part of that is um, in sickness and in health and just what that exactly looks like. Because You know, if you're young and you're listening to this podcast, you may think, well, that's not going to happen to me or that's a long ways off. I don't need to worry about that. But um, when you get to be a little bit older (laughs) and um, your spouse does get sick or, you know, God forbid they're in a car wreck or they're just they have COVID and and are in bedridden or in the hospital or you know, whatever, from the simplest things of a cold to being on a deathbed or having Alzheimer's or dementia or whatever the case may be, what does that look like as a spouse to love that person in sickness? Because it's easier to love them when they're healthy. You know, it's easier to love when everything's going well and um, everybody's healthy and that's with the time when you, you know, praise the Lord. We we're in the month of thankfulness and, you know, thank you, Lord, for, for our health and for our children's health. But what happens when you can't say that? What happens when you don't know what's going on with your spouse and you don't know how to help them, especially if you're a fixer, um, like the Touchton family tends to be. Amen. Um, what what do you do when you can't help that person because you don't know what's going on. Um, You're you're taking them to doctors and they're grasping at straws. Um, I don't know, just it's been heavy on my heart um, because um, obviously Uncle Buddy is near and dear to us. And it's sad that he is, he doesn't know how to make this better. And so just really, what does it look like to love your spouse? in the sickness or in the bad times, you know, for good, for better or worse. Well, better's always easy to, to love them through it. Better's always easy to praise God through your circumstances. But what happens when it's worse or what happens when it's sickness? No, I think that's a great subject because I, you know, as you look back as, uh, the different marriage issues we've had over the decades, you know, and, and uh, definitely most of them I didn't handle right. I'm doing a little bit better now with them. But it's one of those things to where um, you, you got to learn through it. I think God prepares us from day one. All the stuff you go through, um, and I know divorce is rampant. I know it's the easy way out. I know, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm fully aware of all that. But I also, it kind of kind of makes me think though you know all the tough times in marriage prepare you for the end mm. 
And, you know, when, when you start talking about, well, um, yeah, we were almost divorced. That's kind of what happens in a different way when you get older and you're sick. Um, because it, it really is that disconnection of who you married and who they are today. And then how do you bridge that gap? Because not only like in, in uncle Buddy's situation, you know, um, things are, things are different for him today. Um, and, and God willing, they're going to find out what it is either, you know, put her on medication, it'll all be taken care of. Uh, but it's the same sense, you know, it, it's kind of a preparation through marriage for the end um, to, to really reinforce the vows and sickness and in health and, and even them dying, what does that look like? And because uh, realistically, you know, with COVID and everything, um, but realistically, you also have a better chance of dying in a car wreck right now than COVID. Um, so, I mean, death and death and preparing is not something that um, you have to wait till you're old to do. I agree. When you're 20, you're bulletproof. You're going to live forever. 70 is like light years away. I can promise you that that comes a lot quicker than light years. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking from somebody in their fifties, but <laughs> you know, uh, it just it, it. And for some reason, um, the scripture that's been on me this morning, really all morning, um, James one through. Um, let me find it. I'm looking. Should have been a little better prepared. I'm not. Um, there's James. Okay. <laughs> James 1 through, let's say, 8. Um, Consider pure joy, brothers and sisters, when facing trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Uh, and it'll give and it'll be given to you. But here's the key part. This is the part that we really don't like. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea blown and tossed by the wind that the person should not expect to read receive anything from the lord such a person is a double-minded and unstable in all they do um (coughs) excuse me um you know god's willing to give not only wisdom but healing and other things without finding fault um and it'll be given to you but but that last part is really the key that I struggle with the most is when you ask, you must believe not and not doubt. Um, I don't know. It, it just is one of those things that we pray to God a lot that things get fixed, people get healed, um, they find out the test results or whatever. But when it's in your, your circle, 
how often do you pray without doubt? And, and then the next question is, what happens when it doesn't happen? Do you not think it'll ever happen again? I mean, that's kind of the catch-22 that goes through my mind. Um, and it's learning just to, without doubt, always pray that God's going to do it, period. It's done. Be, because that, that doubting is really a foothold for Satan. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of things, you know, that are going through my head right now. David and I got into a, I don't know if you'd even call it a debate, but, you know, God's will um, and what that means and what that looks like. And I agree that God's will is um, for us to persevere and for us to get through it. Um, and, you know, as I was laying in bed last night praying for um Uncle Buddy and Petrilla, it, it was, I didn't really know what to pray. And thankfully, the Spirit intercedes for me. Um, and I know that because, you know, yes, ideally, the prayer would be to heal her, whatever that looks like. But maybe God's will is for this, you know, for her to, we're all going to die. We're all terminal. We're all um, going to stand before the judgment seat one day. None of us know when that time is going to be for any of us. And um, I know that she is, if she knew that she is being the way that she is, she would not want to be that way. Um, David's mom, for example, who suffered with Alzheimer's, you know, she, if she knew some of the things that she said and did when the disease had taken over her mind, um, she would not want to live that way. Um, so as believers, sometimes it's hard for me to pray for healing for people because if I know that they're a believer, then they're going to enter into the presence of God. And are we being selfish by asking for healing um, and then believing it? So to me, it's a little bit of a gray area, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of people who disagree with me and you know don't necessarily agree with that thought process, but, um, like as a believer, I, I am fully prepared to stand before God and would I like to get some things lined out before then? Would I like to be a better Christian? Yes. Would I like to see my kids and my grandkids grow up and get married and have children? Yes. But ultimately, when I die, my spirit gets to go be with Jesus, which is no better. There's nothing better than that. Right. And so the struggle for me is I don't want Uncle Buddy to have to be going through what he's going through. I don't want Petrilla to be going through what she's going through. So what is the prayer? Do we pray for healing? Do we pray? You know, I prayed for wisdom for the doctors to figure out what's what's going on. And hopefully there is a solution. Um but there's just that, and I guess my whole thing is, so how is the best way for Uncle Buddy to love her through what she's going through when she has no control really over what's going on in her body and her mind? And so, um, you know, and then you even take, a lot of our frustrations in marriage come from the vows, you right. know? Richer or poorer. Well, when we're in a poorer state, 
it generally causes stress, frustration. You know, they say one of the number one things in a marriage, uh, disagreements in a marriage is over finances. So, you know, if you really consider your vows that you take when you get married, we almost say it flippantly. Right. And not really focus on what they truly mean. Because at some point in time, there is going to probably be sickness. There is probably going to be poorer. There is probably going to be worse. Um, and so how is a marriage as a married couple, do you, you come together and you work through that? Cause you're saying those vows between before God and the church or people or whatever. Um, and those vows aren't supposed to be broken, which again, like David said, they are on a regular basis, but I think it's because there's a disconnect there. We don't know how to deal with those stresses and those frustrations and disagreements. You know, David and I disagree on a lot of things. Um, but at some point in time, you have to take it before God, whether that be together or separately, and then let God work out those, those differences and trust him. Because when you're trusting in your flesh, there's always going to be a separation and a disconnect. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I, you know, in mom's situation, if you just jumped in here, mom had Alzheimer's for uh, 15 years. And I can tell you, whew, Um, there towards the end, um, I prayed for God to take her quickly. Um, cause it, it really wasn't her. And, um, she had already been gone and, you know, I mean, um, that's a tough prayer. That's a tough prayer for someone you love. Um, because some of that is selfishness of, you know, what I want. And, uh, you know, mom was ready. Mom would have told you in her good state of mind she was ready. And even in her Alzheimer's state, there'd still be times she's like, I don't want to live like this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I understand definitely praying with not knowing what to pray. And again, that's why the Holy Spirit's there. But I, but I also want to draw back, though, whenever you do pray and whatever you do pray, you pray um, w without a doubt. Right. Um, you know, when, and it does get into a catch-22. Um, when someone's lived a good life, they're ready to go, do you pray for healing? And I understand that because that, that is kind of a, you know, um, quasi whatever the word I'm looking for, um, where, where you really got to try to figure out what you want to pray for, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, um, most situations we get into are not into life, um, unless you're older. So when you start looking at the marriage vows and what you pray for, and, and my favorite prayer 10 years ago was God change her. <laughs> She's the one that's messed up. Believing and not doubting. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> um, I knew that I was okay. And, and you know, I think sometimes that you, if you do look into the selfishness of some prayers, 
Um, I know when your marriage is on the rocks, you really get to the point where your prayers are selfish. Yes. Um, fix her, Lord. Um, you know, yeah, I got a couple of things you need to work on. Um, but, but at the end of the day, um, what, what we've found, and I think Susan will completely agree with this, um, we can only change us. Yes. And actually our marriage gets better the more God works through us and cleans us up. It doesn't mean it becomes perfect, but what it means is you're focusing on what God knows needs to be fixed in you and not what needs to be fixed in the other person. Because again, flaws and brokenness are easy to see looking at them. But do you see them the way God sees them? As a child of God, and what they're what He built them for, what they're going to do, all their positives, or are you stuck in the negative train? This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I just don't think I can live with this anymore. I, I this is this is crazy. Why are we doing this? Because um, they're never going to change. And and to a point, you may be right, but I would about bet you, in most cases. Uh, marriage is a mirror. If you're having trouble with your spouse, a lot of the time, you're creating the problem. They're reflecting your personality back to you. And that's the problem. And I, I've seen that repeatedly in different situations. I'm not going to say in all, by no means. But um, the way I treat her, in turn, is the way she treats me. And I, I think that's where really when you start reflecting on God changing you, that's how you make your marriage better. Um, and it does take time. It is not an overnight bam and fixed. Well, and I think too, you know, there's several times that I've even said out loud to a friend or whatever, well, if he would treat me better then I would treat him better. You know, he's being a jerk to me, so I'm going to be a jerk back. Okay, well, there's no... <laughs> there's no real good outcome in that. Right. Um, and so a lot of times my prayer has been, um, Lord, change me to accept him the way that he is. Or show me how I need to deal with whatever it is that's frustrating me. It's not about changing him because he is who he is. He is who God made him to be. And at some point in time, God and I may have a conversation about that. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, like David said earlier, I can't change him. He can't change me. Now, we can influence right. you know, each other one way or the other, but personalities and characteristics um, only God can change. And so my prayer is no longer, Lord, change him. Make him not so angry. Make him not so... Why does this little, this little nugget that seems very little to me, why is he making it into a molehill? Um, you know, change his thought process, whatever the case may be, where it's changed now to, Lord, help me see it from his perspective. Yeah. Or um, show me how I need to deal with him being this way? Do I just need to give him space? Do I need to 
um, you know, have a conversation with them. Do I need to dot, 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 whatever the case may be. But it's not about, God, please make him different. It's about, God, please make me different. Because when I, God changes me, then ultimately it will change him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, guys are looking for respect. Really at the bottom line, um, respect is is probably the number one thing guys are looking for. Um, and, and women. Is love. I mean, and that's, we were somewhere, and I don't remember where we were, but they asked the guys, you know, women, what do you want more than anything? You want to be loved um, and cherished and felt to be made important. And guys want respect. You know, and so many times I thought, he doesn't deserve respect because he's not loving me like he should. Um, and it goes back to that, well, if he would do this, I would do this. Um, but that's not what the Bible says. Um, the Bible clearly says, wives, respect your husbands. That doesn't mean when they're doing everything right, when they're doing everything you want them to do. It doesn't say, wives, respect your husbands whenever they're loving you like you want to be right. loved. Because we all want to be loved differently. There's, you know, we could go into the love languages and all that. If, if you're familiar with, you know, Christian teaching at all, you've all experienced the love languages and what that means. And um, I think it's that you got to communicate how you want to be loved and they need to communicate how they want to be respected. Um, a lot of times I don't know necessarily what that looks like in his mind. What does it mean for me to respect him? Because it's going to be different for David than it is for your husband or whatever, just like it's different. He doesn't know what I mean when I want to be showed love, you know, um, him, he tells me he loves me all the time, but so many times he's not showing me that he loves me. And for me, it's those little acts of kindness, you know, taking the trash out when it's <laughs> overflowing or um, helping put the dishes away. Or for me, it's like I want a clean house. And if he does something to help me get to that, then that's showing love. Don't buy me gifts. Don't buy me diamonds. Don't buy me... I mean, if you want to, that would be fine. Right, right. But that's not my love language. My love language is you can tell me you love me all day long, but if you're acting like a jerk and you're sitting in there watching TV when the house is an utter mess and I'm in here doing all the work, you're not showing me that you love me. Well, and I think the utter mess is a... a perception <laughs> and it it but that's also why we we probably do better during remodeling the houses our really our relationship gets better during remodels not worse um and we've got issues but um ephesians 5 um 30 let's start at 32 um this is a profound mystery but i'm I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you look through a lot of that, you know, um, well, guys like to be built up. You know, um, uh, 
and my son did this one time and it kind of caught me off guard. I walked into the garage and they were having problems with getting a bike motorcycle running. And it's like, he's like the man, the myth, the legend is here. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, you know, it was kind of like, he's never done that before. That was, that was, he didn't have to, you know, um, I know Susan at different times has said, man, you can fix anything. I mean, anything. And, you know, when I take that for granted, I just assume everybody can because it, it's what I've, it's a natural gift I have. Um, but I don't see it as, you know, when, and I think that's the thing is, is understanding how to respect someone, give them respect is not always agreeing with them. That's not what respect's about. Um, respect's about seeing their best qualities and telling them about them. That's the way guys, in my mind, work. They want to hear how good they are. And because a lot of times for me, I mean, in this house remodel, um, the only thing we've hired out is the sheetrock and mud work just cause I hate it. Um, and then the stuff I don't know much about that I really, it, it's easier. Like we've got a, a unit that's not running heater. that's not running. It's not, I could probably fix it, but it's kind of one of them things, let somebody else do it. But the rest of it, we pretty much have done ourselves. Well, and I think that's why we can get along so well in, in a construction zone, for lack of a better word, because um, I do respect the fact that he can do anything. He has vision for putting something together. I tell him, you know, this is how I want something to look, or this is what my thoughts are on this. And regardless, really, of what it is, he makes it happen which is showing me his love and then me telling him. And literally, I just told him this Sunday, I think on the way to church is he literally can fix anything, whether it be a vehicle, whether it be an air conditioning unit, whether it can be whatever the case may be, um, building a wall, taking a wall down, whatever, he figures it out. And, you know, he does take that for granted because a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people don't want to do it or won't do it. And so... Um, that's why I think construction, a construction zone for us works really well just because no, it's not fun living in a dust filled house. And just because we're just, you know, sheetrock dust and everything right now. And, you know, one of these days I was just thinking when David, we're going to be on here one of these days and our construction is going to be done and you guys will be able to quit hearing about it. But, um, for now it's just what we're going through. It's our life. And the thing of it is, is it's so, when you take a construction zone, you can compare it so easily to how life is. We're all under construction. We're all being built. We're all being molded. Sometimes we break. um, And sometimes, and then where you go to get that, go to get a fix or to get fixed um, will depend on the outcome. And so fortunately, um, nine times, eight to nine times out of 10, we go to God to fix whatever it is that um, is broken in us. Um, you know, there's a, a small percentage that we don't, and then it usually lasts longer. It usually goes longer. So I think just um, being aware of the fact that um, 
I guess my, my takeaway for today is really think about the vows that you shared with your husband or your wife. And what does that mean? What does that look like? You may not be going through the sickness health one, but you're probably going through the richer or poorer or better or worse. Um, we're all at some point in time having to remember what those vows mean and experience right. them. Um, and, oh, that's, that's what they were talk- we were talking about when we said for better or worse. And uh, yeah, you're exactly right because it, we don't really think about that when we're in the midst of it. When we're in the midst of it, it's all about, oh my gosh, this is horrible. They're awful to me. They're whatever the comment I hate is. Them. I don't want to, you know, work it out, whatever right. the case may be. Yeah. And that's, that's really the time that you've got to draw close to God and, and really try to have him show you what you're not giving them. And, and that's really what it comes down to is if you really look at your, <coughs> excuse me, if you really look at your marriage as a, a mirror, then then it you can say, well, that's not true in mine. Well, I would say it probably is. Um, not in all cases, but definitely in 99% of them. Because um, there are other broken people with things that, that are wrong, and I don't disagree with that. So don't take that as a stance. But I will say in most marriages your marriage problem comes from you. Mm-hmm. It comes from the way you're treating your spouse and you're not getting what you want. And so in turn, it's tip for tat, mm-hmm. which creates a whole knockdown drag out. I'm not doing that until they show me some respect. I'm not going to love them. I'm going to cut them off, whatever the thing is. It doesn't really matter. Um, but like Susan said, you know, my way I heard it was somebody has to be the bigger person. Right. Right. Some Somebody has to say enough is enough. You know what? I'm going to try to love them. And I don't know what that looks like the way they need to be loved. God, show me how to love them differently. And it won't necessarily be the bigger person won't be the same person every time. Right. You know, a lot of times... Um, I'll be the one that says, okay, I'm going to respect him regardless. Um, but then there's sometimes that I'm like, no way am I going to respect him. And he, then he steps up and it's like, okay, I'm going to love her regardless. So, you know, David's famous saying, since we really, um, got into this train wreck, um, what has always been, there are no marriage problems. They're just God problems. And what that means is if you're having struggles in your marriage, What's your relationship with God look like? Right. No, and that, that is, we found that so very true over the years um, that it really is, uh, there are no marriage problems, they're all God problems, because if she can see Jesus through me, and just on that scripture I just read, um, if I love her um, as I love myself, you know, then then things start getting taken care of. All of a sudden, she's starting to see a change. Same way with her. If she gives me respect and, you know, really shows me that she respects me. When you disrespect your husband, that creates problems. You're an idiot. 
I'm telling you, that's more damaging to a relationship than anything. Um, and that's the thing is, so, you know, we're out of time and, and, uh, I just, I'm very grateful for what God's done, um, through this podcast and we hope that it helps you. And, and, uh, if you know somebody that is struggling, share this with them. I'm not saying it'll help, but, um, I can tell you that they'll for sure know they're not alone. Right. And that's the biggest issue. Satan likes to get us alone. Mm -hmm. And once he gets us alone, he wins. Yep, I agree. So, hey, you have a great week. We love you. And we'll talk to you next week.